to my podcast. Podtunes is the perfect way to fall asleep while listening to the best horror, history, and true crime stories. This podcast is presented by Bedtempories, bedtime stories that will keep you up at night. If you want to hear your story featured on my podcast, email me at mypodtune at gmail.com. That's spelled M-Y-P-O-D-T-U-N-E at gmail.com. This episode includes discussion about sexual assault, murder, cannibalism, child abuse, and necrophilia. Listener discretion is advised. Today we're going to be diving into the twisted life of Jeffrey Dahmer. This episode is most likely going to be one of our longer episodes, if not the longest. So get your snacks or your coffee and let's dive in. Dahmer was born May 21st, 1960 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Jeffrey's mother was known to be tense, wanted attention, whether it was good or bad, and known to be confrontational around the neighborhood. As Jeffrey entered first grade, his father was away from home much of the time. When he was home, Joyce, his mother, was a hypochondriac who suffered from depression and demanded constant attention and spent a large amount of time in bed. She reportedly worked herself into a state of anxiety over minor things, to receive attention from her husband. On one occasion, she is known to have attempted suicide with Equinal. Due to his father's busy schedule and his mentally ill mother, neither parent devoted much time to their son, Jeffrey. He said he felt unsure of the solidity of the family, remembering the extreme tension and arguments between his parents during adolescence. Jeffrey at one point had been a, quote, energetic and happy child, but a notable shift in his demeanor occurred after a double hernia surgery shortly before his fourth birthday. At elementary school, Dahmer was regarded as quiet and a timid child with only a few friends. The symptoms in his mother had began to worsen with the pregnancy of her second child. From an early age, Jeffrey showed an interest in dead animals. He initially collected large insects such as dragonflies and butterflies in jars. Later, he collected animal carcasses, occasionally accompanied by one or more friends. He dismembered these animals either at home or in nearby woodland. According to one friend, Dahmer dismembered these animals and stored the parts in the jars in the family's tool shed, explaining that he was curious as to how animals fitted together. His fascination with dead animals may have begun when, at the age of four, he saw his father removing animal bones from beneath the family home. According to Lionel, Dahmer's father, Dahmer was oddly thrilled by the sound the bones made and became preoccupied with animal bones. He occasionally searched beneath and around the family home for additional bones and explored the bodies of live animals to discover where their bones were located. In one instance, Dahmer decapitated the carcass of a dog before nailing the body to a tree and impaling the skull on a stake besides a wooden cross behind his house. In October 1966, the family moved to Dolestown, Ohio. When Joyce gave birth in December, Jeffrey was allowed to choose the name of his new baby brother. He chose the name David. The same year, Lionel earned his degree and started work as an analytical chemist in nearby Akron, Ohio. In 1968, the family moved to Bath Township, Summit County, Ohio. Two years later, during a chicken dinner, Dahmer asked Lionel what would happen if the chicken bones were placed in bleach. Lionel, pleased by Dahmer's curiosity, demonstrated how to safely bleach and preserve animal bones. Dahmer incorporated these preserving techniques into his bone collecting. The same year, Joyce began increasing 
her daily consumption of Equinil laxatives and sleeping pills, further minimizing her tangible contact with her husband and children. From his freshman year at Revere High School, Dahmer was seen as an outcast. By the age of 14, he had begun drinking beer and hard alcohol in daylight hours, frequently concealing his liquor inside the lining of the army fatigue jacket he wore to school. He is known to have mentioned to one classmate who inquired why he was drinking scotch in a morning history class that the alcohol he had consumed was, quote, my medicine. Although largely uncommunicative, in his freshman year, Dahmer was seen by staff as polite and highly intelligent, but with average grades. He was a keen tennis player and played briefly in the high school band. When he reached puberty, Dahmer discovered he was gay. He did not tell his parents. In his early teens, he had a brief relationship with another teenage boy. Although they never had intercourse, he began fantasizing about dominating and controlling a completely submissive male partner in his early to mid-teens, and his sexually aroused fantasies gradually evolved to his focusing upon the chest and torsos of the focus of his fantasies. These fantasies gradually became intertwined with dissection. When he was about 16, Dahmer conceived a fantasy of rendering an unconscious, particular male jogger he found attractive and then making sexual use of his body. On one occasion, Dahmer concealed himself in bushes with a baseball bat to lay in wait for this man. However, he did not pass by on that particular day. Dahmer later said that this was the first attempt to attack someone. Despite being regarded as a loner and an oddball among his peers at RHS, Dahmer became something of a class clown who often staged pranks, which became known as doing a Dahmer. These included simulating epileptic seizures or cerebral palsy at school and local grocery stores. By 1977, Dahmer's grades had declined. His parents had hired a private tutor with limited success. The same year, in an attempt to save their marriage, his parents attended counseling sessions. They continued to quarrel frequently. When Lionel discovered Joyce had engaged in a brief affair in September of 1977, they both decided to get divorced, telling their sons they wished to do so amicably. Lionel moved out of the house in early 1978, temporarily residing in a motel on North Cleveland Massillon Road. In May 1978, Dahmer graduated from high school. A few weeks before his graduation, one of his teachers observed Dahmer sitting close to the school parking lot drinking several cans of beer. When the teacher threatened to report the matter, Dahmer informed him that he was experiencing a lot of problems at home and that the school's guidance counselor was aware of them. That spring, Joyce and David moved out of the family home to live with relatives in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Dahmer had just turned 18 and remained in the family home. Just a quick disclaimer, we're not trying to justify Jeffrey Dahmer's behavior at all or his actions, um, especially the actions he took later in life. Uh, we just want to bring up our own thoughts and opinions. Okay, so looking back on his childhood, I don't feel there's anything that super stands out except for when he was 16 and he planned that uh, attack on the jogger. That is obviously a red flag, but as far as his childhood goes, it seems like he was a curious cat like all of us are. What are your thoughts? Yeah, like you said, the curiosity thing is pretty normal in high school. You know, we d dissect all types of animals. And at my high school, we dissected a cat. So um, that curiosity seems kind of normal. But like the jokes that he played, um, 
pretending to have a seizure at the stores and in class. That's taking it too far. It seems like he was a big class clown with a lot of issues. I agree. I think uh, that about sums it up. So um, let's get back into it. Dahmer committed his first murder in 1978, three weeks after his graduation. At the time, he was living alone in the family home in Bath. On June 18th, Dahmer picked up a hitchhiker named Stephen Mark Hicks, who was almost 19. Dahmer lured the youth into his house on the pretext of the two men drinking alcohol together. Hicks, who had been hitchhiking to a rock concert at Chippewa Lake Park, Ohio, agreed to accompany Dahmer to his house upon the promise of a few beers, with Dahmer as he had the house to himself. According to Dahmer, the sight of bare-chested Hicks standing at the roadhouse stirred his sexual feelings. Although when Hicks began to talk about girls, he knew any sexual passes he made would be rebuffed. After several hours of talking, drinking, and listening to music, Hicks, quote, wanted to leave and I didn't want him to, end quote. In response, Dahmer bludgeoned Hicks with a 10-pound dumbbell. He later stated he struck Hicks twice from behind with the dumbbell as Hicks sat upon a chair. When Hicks fell unconscious, Dahmer strangled him to death with the bar of the dumbbell, stripped the clothes from Hicks' body before exploring his chest with his hands, then masturbating as he stood above the corpse. The following day, Dahmer dissected Hicks's body in his basement. He later buried the remains in a shallow grave in his backyard, before several weeks later unearthing the remains and parring the flesh from his bones. He dissolved the flesh in acid before flushing the solution down the toilet. He crushed the bones with a sledgehammer and scattered them in the woodland behind the family home. Dahmer's parents' divorce was finalized on July 24, 1978. Joyce was awarded custody of her younger son and alimony payments. Six weeks after the murder of Hicks, Dahmer's father and his new fiance returned to his home where they discovered Jeffrey living alone at the house. That August, Dahmer enrolled in Ohio State University, hoping to major in business. Dahmer's sole term at OSU was completely unproductive, largely because of his persistent alcohol abuse throughout the majority of the term. He received failing grades in Introduction to Anthropology classic civilizations, and administrative science. The only course Dahmer was successful at was riflery. Having received a B-minus grade, his overall GPA was 0.45 out of 4.0. On one occasion, Lionel paid a visit to his son, only to find his room strewn with empty liquor bottles. Despite his father having paid in advance for the second term, Dahmer dropped out of OSU after just three months. In January 1979, on his father's urging, Dahmer enlisted in the United States Army, where he trained as a medical specialist in Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas. On July 13, 1979, he was deployed to West Germany where he served as a combat medic in 2nd Battalion, 68th Armored Regiment, 8th Infantry Division. According to published reports, in Dahmer's first year of service, he was an average or slightly above average soldier. Because of Dahmer's alcohol abuse, his performance deteriorated and, in March 1981, he was deemed unsuitable for military service and was later discharged from the army. He received an honorable discharge as his superiors did not believe any problems Dahmer had in the army would be applicable to civilian life. On March 24, 1981, Dahmer was sent to Fort Jackson, South Carolina for debriefing and provided with a plane ticket to travel anywhere in the country. Dahmer later told police he felt he could not return home to face his father, so he opted to travel to Miami Beach, Florida, both because he was tired of the cold and in an attempt to live by his own means. In Florida, Dahmer found employment at a 
delicatessen and rented a room in a nearby hotel. Dahmer spent most of his salary on alcohol and was soon evicted from the motel for non-payment. He initially spent his evenings on the beach as he continued to work at a sandwich shop until phoning his father and asking to return to Ohio in the September of the same year. After his return to Ohio, Dahmer initially resided with his father and stepmother and insisted on being delegated numerous chores to occupy his time while he looked for work. He continued to drink heavily and two weeks after his return, Dahmer was arrested for drunk and disorderly conduct, for which he was fined $60 and given a suspended 10-day jail sentence. Dahmer's father tried unsuccessfully to wean his son off alcohol. In December 1981, he and Dahmer's stepmother sent him to live with his grandmother in West Allis, Wisconsin. Dahmer's grandmother was the only family member to whom he displayed any affection. They hoped that her influence, plus the change of scenery, might persuade Dahmer to refrain from alcohol and find a job and live responsibly. Initially, Dahmer's living arrangements with his grandmother were harmonious. He accompanied her to church, willingly undertook chores, actively sought work, and abided by most of her house rules, although he did continue to drink and smoke. The new influence in his life initially brought results, and in early 1982, Dahmer found employment as a phlebotomist at the Milwaukee Blood Plasma Center. He held this job for a total of 10 months before being laid off. Dahmer remained unemployed for over two years, during which he lived upon whatever money his grandmother gave him. Shortly before losing his job, Dahmer was arrested for indecent exposure on August 7, 1982 at Wisconsin State Fair Park. He was observed to expose himself on the south side of the Coliseum in which 25 people were present, including women and children. For this incident, he was convicted and fined $50 plus court costs. In January 1985, Dahmer was hired as a mixer at the Milwaukee Ambrosa Chocolate Factory, where he worked from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., six nights per week with Saturday evenings off. Shortly after Dahmer found this employment, an incident occurred in which he was propositioned by another man while sitting reading in the West Dallas Public Library. The stranger threw Dahmer a note offering to perform fellatio upon him. Although Dahmer did not respond to this proposition, the incident stirred in his mind the fantasies of control and dominance he had developed as a teenager, and he began to familiarize himself with Milwaukee's gay bars, gay bathhouses, and bookstores. He is also known to have stolen a male mannequin from a store, which he briefly used for sexual stimulation, until his grandmother discovered the item in a closet and demanded that he discarded it. By late 1985, Dahmer had begun to regularly frequent the bathhouses, which he later described as being, quote, relaxing places, end quote. But during his sexual encounters, he became frustrated at his partner's moving during the sexual act. Following his arrest, he stated, quote, I trained myself to view people as objects of pleasure instead of as people. End quote. For this reason, beginning in June of 1986, he administered sleeping pills to his partners, giving them liquor laced with the sedatives. He then waited for his partner to fall asleep before performing various sexual acts. To maintain an adequate supply of this medication, Dahmer informed the doctors he worked nights and required the tablets to adjust his body to work unsociable hours. After approximately 12 such instances, the bathhouse's administration revoked Dahmer's membership and he began to use hotel rooms to continue this practice. Shortly after his membership of the bathhouses was revoked, Dahmer read a report in the newspaper regarding the upcoming funeral of an 18-year-old male. He conceived the idea of stealing the freshly interred corpse and taking it home. According to Dahmer, he attempted to dig up the coffin from the ground, but found the soil too hard and abandoned the plan. In August 1986, Dahmer was arrested for masturbating in the presence of two 12-year-old boys as he stood close to the Kinnick Kinnick River. He initially admitted to the offense and was 
was charged with indecent exposure, but quickly changed his story and claimed he had merely been urinating, unaware that they were witnessing. The charge was changed to disorderly conduct, and on March 10th, 1987, Dahmer was sentenced to one year of probation. With additional instructions, he was to undergo counseling. On November 20th, 1987, when Dahmer was in his late 20s to early 30s, he was residing with his grandmother in West Allis. He encountered a 25-year-old man from Ontonagon, Michigan, Stephen Twomey, at a bar and persuaded him to return to the Ambassador Hotel in Milwaukee, where Dahmer had rented a room for the evening. According to Dahmer, he had no intention of murdering Twomey, but rather intending to simply drug him and lie beside him as he explored his body. The following morning, however, Dahmer awoke to find Twomey laying beneath him on the bed, his chest quote, crushed in, and quote, black and blue, with bruises. Blood was also seeping from the corner of his mouth, and Dahmer's fists and one forearm were extensively bruised. Dahmer stated he had no memory of having killed Twami, and later informed investigators that he could not believe this had happened. To dispose of Twami's body, Dahmer purchased a large suitcase in which he transported the body to his grandmother's residence. There, one week later, he severed the head, arms, and legs from the torso. He filleted the bones from the body before cutting the flesh into pieces small enough to handle. Dahmer then placed the flesh inside plastic garbage bags. He wrapped the bones inside a sheet and pounded them into splinters with a sledgehammer. The entire dismemberment process took Dahmer approximately two hours to complete, and he disposed all of Tommy's remains, excluding the severed head, in the trash. For a total of two weeks following Tommy's murder, Dahmer retained the victim's head wrapped in a blanket. After two weeks, Dahmer boiled the head in a mixture of soylex and bleach in an effort to retain the skull, which he then used as stimulus for masturbation. Eventually, the skull was rendered too brittle by this bleaching process, so Dahmer pulverized and disposed of it. Following the murder of Twami, Dahmer began to actively seek victims, most of whom he encountered in or close to gay bars, and whom he typically lured to his grandmother's home. He would drug his victims with trazolamine or temazepam, which is used to treat insomnia before or shortly after engaging in sexual activity with them. Once he had rendered his victim unconscious with sleeping pills, he killed them by strangulation. Two months after the killing of Tuami, Dahmer encountered a 14-year-old Native American male prostitute named James Dogstater. Dahmer lured the youth into his home with an offer of $50 to pose for nude photos. At Dahmer's West Alice residence, the pair engaged in sexual activity before Dahmer drugged James and strangled him on the floor of the cellar. Dahmer left the body in the cellar for one week before dismembering it in much the same manner as he had with Twami. On March 24, 1988, Dahmer met a 22-year-old bisexual man named Richard Guerrero outside of a gay bar called The Phoenix. Dahmer lured Richard to his grandmother's residence, although the incentive on this occasion was $50 to simply spend the remainder of the night with him. He then drugged Richard with sleeping pills and strangled him with a leather strap, with Dahmer performing oral sex upon the corpse. Richard's body was dismembered within 24 hours of his murder, with the remains again disposed in the trash and the skull again retained before pulverized several months later. On April 23rd, Dahmer lured another young man to his house. However, after giving the victim a drug coffee, both he and the intended victim heard Dahmer's grandmother call, quote, is that you, Jeff? Although Dahmer replied in a manner that led his grandma to believe he was alone, she did observe that Dahmer was not alone. 
Because of this, Dahmer opted not to kill this particular victim, instead waiting until he had become unconscious before taking him to the county general hospital. In September 1988, Dahmer's grandmother asked him to move out because of his habit of bringing young men to her house late at night and the foul smells emanating from both the basement and the garage. Dahmer found a one-bedroom apartment on North 25th Street and moved into his new residence on September 25th. The following day, he was arrested for drugging and sexually fondling a 13-year-old boy whom he had just lured to his home on the pretext of posing nude for photographs. Dahmer's father hired an attorney named Gerald Boyle to defend his son. At Boyle's request, Dahmer underwent a series of psychological evaluations prior to his upcoming court hearings. These evaluations revealed Dahmer harbored deep feelings of alienation. A second evaluation two months later revealed Dahmer to be an impulsive individual, suspicious of others, and dismayed by his lack of accomplishments in life. His probation officer would also reference a 1987 diagnosis of Dahmer suffering from schizoid personality disorder for presentation to the court. In January 1989, Dahmer was convicted of second-degree sexual assault and of enticing a child for immoral purposes. Sentencing for the assault was suspended until May 1989. On March 20th, Dahmer commenced a 10-day Easter absence from work, during which he moved back into his grandmother's home. Two months after his conviction and two months prior to his sentencing for the sexual assault, Dahmer murdered his fifth victim. He was a mixed-race, 24-year-old aspiring model named Anthony Sears, whom Dahmer met at a gay bar on March 25, 1989. According to Dahmer, on this particular occasion, he was not looking to commit a crime. However, shortly before closing time that evening, Sears, quote, just started talking to me, end quote. Dahmer lured Sears to his grandmother's home, where the pair engaged in oral sex before Dahmer drugged and strangled Sears. The following morning, Dahmer placed the corpse in his grandmother's bathtub, where he decapitated the body before attempting to flay the corpse. He then stripped the flesh from the body and pulverized the bones, which were again disposed in the trash. According to Dahmer, he found Sears, quote, exceptionally attractive, end quote, and Sears was the first victim from whom he permanently retained the, any body parts. He preserved Sears' head and genitalia in acetone and stored them in a wooden box, which he later placed in his work locker. When he moved to a new address the following year, he took the remains there. On May 23, 1989, Dahmer was sentenced to five years probation and one year in the House of Correction, with work release permitted in order that he be able to keep his job. He was also required to register as a sex offender. Two months before his scheduled release from the work camp, Dahmer was paroled from this regime. His five years probation imposed in 1989 began at this point. On release, Dahmer temporarily moved back to his grandmother's home in West Allis before, in May 1990, moving into the Oxford Apartments located on North 25th Street in Milwaukee. Although located in a high crime area, the apartment was close to the, his workplace. On May 14, 1990, Dahmer moved out of his grandmother's house and into 924 North 25th Street, apartment 213, taking Sears' mummified head and genitals with him. Within one week of moving to his new apartment, Dahmer had killed his sixth victim, Raymond Smith. Smith was a 32-year-old male prostitute whom Dahmer lured into apartment 213 with the promise of $50 for sex. Inside the apartment, he gave Smith a drink laced with seven sleeping pills, then manually strangled him. The following day, Dahmer purchased a Polaroid camera, which he took several pictures of Smith's body in suggested positions before dismembering him in the bathroom. He boiled the legs, arms, and pelvis in a steel kettle with Soylex, which allowed him to then rinse the bones in his sink. Dahmer dissolved the remainder of Smith's skeleton, excluding the skull, 
in a container filled with acid. He later spray-painted Smith's skull, which he placed alongside the skull of Sears, upon a black towel inside a metal filing cabinet. Approximately one week after the murder of Smith, on or about May 27th, Dahmer lured another young man into his apartment. On this occasion, however, Dahmer himself accidentally consumed the drink with sedatives intended for consumption by his guest. When he awoke the following day, he discovered his intended victim had stolen several items of his clothing, $300 and a watch. Dahmer never reported this incident to the police, although on May 29th, he divulged to his probation officer that he had been robbed. In June 1990, Dahmer lured a 27-year-old acquaintance named Edward Smith to his apartment. He drugged and strangled Smith. On this occasion, rather than immediately acidifying the skeleton or repeating previous processes of bleaching, Dahmer placed Smith's skeleton in his freezer for several months in the hope that it would not retain moisture. Freezing the skeleton did not remove moisture, and the skeleton of this victim would be acidified several months later. Dahmer accidentally destroyed the skull when he placed it in the oven to dry, a process that caused the skull to explode. Dahmer himself was to later inform police that he had felt, quote, rotten about Smith's murder as he had been unable to retain any parts of his body. Dahmer said, quote, it was my way of remembering their appearance, their physical beauty. I also wanted to keep, if I couldn't keep them there with me whole, I at least could keep their skeletons. End quote. Less than three months after the murder of Smith, Dahmer encountered a 22-year-old Chicago native named Ernest Miller outside a bookstore on the corner of North 27th Street. Miller agreed to accompany Dahmer to his apartment for $50 and further agreed to allow him to listen to his heart and stomach. When Dahmer attempted to perform oral sex upon Miller, he was informed, quote, that will cost you extra, end quote. Whereupon Dahmer gave his intended victim a drink laced with two sleeping pills. On this occasion, Dahmer only had two sleeping pills to give his victim. Therefore, he killed Miller by slashing his carotid artery with the same knife he had used to dissect his victim's bodies. Bled to death within minutes, Dahmer then posed the nude body for various suggestive Polaroid photographs before placing the body in his bathtub for dismemberment. Dahmer repeatedly kissed and talked to the severed head while he dismembered the remainder of the body. Dahmer wrapped Miller's heart, biceps, and portions of flesh from the legs in plastic bags and placed them into the fridge for later consumption. He boiled the remaining flesh and organs into a jelly-like substance using Soylex, which again enabled him to rinse the flesh off the skeleton, which he intended to retain. To preserve the skeleton, Dahmer placed the bones in a light bleach solution for 24 hours before allowing them to dry upon a cloth for one week. The severed heads was initially placed in the refrigerator before also being stripped of the flesh, then painted and coated with enamel. Three weeks after the murder of Miller, on September 24th, Dahmer encountered a 22-year-old man named David Thomas at the Grand Avenue Mall and persuaded him to return to his apartment for a few drinks with additional money to offer if he would pose for photographs. In his statement to police after his arrest, Dahmer stated that after giving Thomas a drink with sedatives, he did not feel attracted to him, but was afraid to allow him to awake in the case that he would be angry over having been drugged. Therefore, he strangled him and dismembered the body, intentionally retaining no body parts whatsoever. He photographed the dismemberment process and retained these photographs, which later aided in Thomas's subsequent identification. Following the murder of Thomas, Dahmer did not kill anyone for at least five months, although on a minimum of five occasions between October 1990 and February 1991, he unsuccessfully attempted to lure men to his apartment. He is also known to have regularly complained of feelings both of anxiety and depression to his probation officer throughout 1990, with frequent references to his sexuality, 
his solitary lifestyle, and financial difficulties. On several occasions, Dahmer is also known to have referred to harboring suicidal thoughts. This marks the end of our part one episode of Jeffrey Dahmer. Part two will be posted next week, so be sure to tune in when we cover part two. Jeffrey Dahmer's 1991 killings, Dahmer's arrest and conviction, and his sentencing. <laughs> <laughs>